It was one of the several political footballs kicked out onto the field in January of 2021 with the change of a new administration in Washington, D.C. called the 30 by 30. The federal government has absolutely no business owning any more property in this country. 641 million acres is enough. Today, constitutional attorney Harriet Hegeman is my guest as she lays out the concerns over the 30 by 30 program and what this program could evolve into for our country as it progresses on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and we're glad to have you tuning in here today. If you're joining us on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM, thank you, for, as we are here every Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern, and we appreciate you tuning in that way. And of course, as you know, we also kick this program out through about every podcast provider out there as well. Today is episode number 50. Yeah, this is episode 50. I guess it's kind of a sort of an anniversary landmark since I've been doing the show here for Working Ranch Magazine and glad to be doing this and appreciate all the folks at Working Ranch Magazine that has been a help on getting us to episode 50 here throughout the course of this year. Well, on our program today, I'll tell you, we're going to be touching in into kind of a, a kind of a topic that has really been very controversial as it kicked out from the Biden administration last January as they as the new change of administration comes in and they make their changes to some of the different policies that are out there and the thing that came out was the 30 by 30 and I know it's been out for quite some time and I know there's been a lot of different meetings and different things going on around the country to explain what this is and what it means to agriculture and us here in the ranching industry. And today, uh, we're going to be joined by Harriet Hegerman. Now, as I said in the opening, not only is she a constitutional attorney, and she has been working with ranchers uh, and landowners across the country for many, many years, but she's also a Republican candidate for U.S. House of Representatives in Wyoming. And, and I'm pleased to not only know her as a fellow Wyoming Knight my, uh, myself, but but also to know the work that she has done over the years in representing uh, landowners, ranchers, and the agricultural industry in, in protecting our land and our way of life. So we're going to be talking with Ms. Hegeman about this 30 by 30, and I'll just lay it out there. She is not a fan <laughs> of this, and, and I think you'll you'll hear some things today that, if anything, just we need to be aware, and I think you need to be aware where, where this could be headed towards, and uh, you're going to hear that today in my interview with Miss Hegeman. Also on our program today, the Captain Tim O'Byrne. He is slaving away, getting ready for all of us to join him down in Las Vegas, Nevada at the first ever Working Ranch Expo that will be this next week in uh, during the, the last few days of the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, the 8th, 9th, and 10th. We're all going to be down there. We're going to be talking with Tim in uh, in uh, this week's edition of the Tim's Two Cents about that. And, uh, and of course, I'm looking forward to seeing him and all everyone with Working Ranch Magazine next week down in Las Vegas. Also joining us for our very last segment today, as he always does, meteorologist Don Day will be joining us. Now, here's the deal, folks. He's been telling us that we have a weather change happening across the country at some point. 
Well, he's got it defined down a little bit. You're going to hear about that today uh, for in today's weather segment. Right now, we're not able to do this show unless we have great sponsors. And so I want to say thank you to those. The American Simmental Association, they've been with us from the beginning, and I sure appreciate all of them. You know, there was a survey done a few years ago, and with this being bull buying season right here and right now, uh, this survey showed that bulls sourced by commercial producers between 2014 and 2020. Did you know that the largest growth in bull breed type during that time it was bulls with sim genetics and here's the deal heterosis works which is why with simmental it's more per head period find out more at simmental.org other sponsors include biozyme protect and recovery with vita charge by biozyme for more information visit vitafirm.com forward slash vita dash charge and finally performance beef find performance beef online to learn more and request a demo well now it's time to check in with the captain tim o'burn who is the publisher and editor of working ranch magazine for this week's edition of tim's two cents hey justin hey everybody out there in working ranch radio land las vegas nevada wrangler national finals rodeo Justin, this town is electric, I'm telling you what. We are so excited after a two-year hiatus. NFR is finally back in town, and it's it's crazy. People are just loving it. Cowboys and cowgirls are rolling into town, and we are setting up our expo here next week, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be a lot of fun, December 8th to 10th. If you cannot join us for our amazing speaker lineup, we want you to Tune in to Facebook because we're going to Facebook Live every single one of those uh, seminars, and they're going to be excellent. Justin and I will be up there on the main stage hosting it. Now, imagine this. We've got a lot of room for folks to come and sit and listen in. They're going to be watching it Facebook Live December 8th to 10th, and we got two great big 17-foot TV screens on either side of the stage. So we're going to be playing some videos and some slideshows from some of our great ranch photographers. We're going to be uh, running some of the seminar highlights and some of the presentations. It's going to be fantastic. Hope to see you soon, folks. Drive safe. Have a safe flight. Do whatever you got to do to get down here and uh, come visit us. North Hall, Las Vegas Convention Center, December 8th to 10th. You're going to love it. Back to you, Justin. All right, you bet. Thanks, Captain. And yes, I am looking forward to being there. And as I've said on our programs before, you know, one of the we're, we're going to have several folks speaking down there that were, have also been guests on our show, but they're going to be going a little bit more in depth in some of the topics that we, even we've talked about, such as Lamar Steiger, who's going to be there. Uh, thanks to Beringer Ingelheim, that's going to be sponsoring his presentation there. By the way, Beringer Ingelheim, you can find them in booth two forty one at the expo. But he's going to be talking about that Walmart beef supply chain and how things are at how things have progressed so far today also you've heard uh, meteorologist Don Day that's always on our program he will be there as well and then of course uh, Dallas Mount with Ranch Management Consultants going to be there for a couple days as well so among many of the other speakers that will be there go to workingranchexpo.com to find a full list of all of our speakers and the agenda and items that will be taking place throughout the three days 8th 9th and 10th in Las Vegas you know if you can get to Cowboy Christmas you can get to the Working Ranch Expo we're all under that big convention center down there 
there. So be sure to take that in if you are in Las Vegas. Well, at this point in time, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into our first part of our interview with Harriet Hegman as we talk about the 30 by 30 and its implications on us here in America, especially our ranching industry. How does that affect us? Well, tune in. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. It's weaning time, one of the biggest days of the year for you and the most stressful for your calves. Ensure a smooth transition with the VitaCharge Weaning Program. This two-step program with the AmmaFirm Advantage gives calves the nutritional boost they need to get through the first weeks of weaning, accelerate appetite, increase weight gain, and improve health. It's weaning time. Get them ready with VitaCharge. For more information, visit VitaFirm.com forward slash Vita dash charge. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. We're glad to have you tuning in here today. This is episode number 50 since I've taken over as the host and and uh, producer of the show and sure appreciate the uh, listenership and all of those that have supported this program for the last several years uh, and, of course, the last year since I have been doing this. Well, as I said at the beginning of our program, our featured topic today is on the 30 by 30 program. Now, it was part of the Biden administration's executive order 14008 that was entitled Tackling the Climate Crisis at Home and Abroad. It was signed back on the 27th of January, just shortly, of course, after he uh, took the uh, the oath of office for president of the United States. And, and of course, when it came out, a lot of concern, a lot of controversy surrounding Surrounding that and what it could imply to those of us, especially those of us uh, in the ranching industry, which primarily have a lot of landowners with that involved. And so uh, it was important to, to kind of get a little bit more information about this. And today I'm pleased to have with us Miss Harriet Hegeman, who's not only a constitutional attorney, has been a constitutional attorney for many, many years and have has represented landowners uh, from the agricultural industry, from the oil and gas industry uh, for, for several years, but also coincidentally at this point in time today, also a Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives for that lone seat in the state of Wyoming. And Ms. Hegeman, I do want to thank you for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. As I told you before we started, one of the things I like to do when I, when I know I am talking to somebody that grew up on a farmer ranch uh, and has that background, any deep background in that, I like for you to have that opportunity to explain a little bit about that. And I know you are a ranch girl from Wyoming. So explain your, your background and, and how you came to where you're at here today so far. Well, Justin, yes, I grew up on a ranch outside of Fort Laramie, Wyoming, which is down in the southeastern corner. Grew up on the on the North Platte River. My family still ranches there. My parents purchased that ranch in 1961, the year before I was born. I was born in 1962, and uh, I was their fifth child. And uh, when they brought me home from the hospital, my oldest sister was five years old. They were over $200,000 in debt way back then, which is almost $2 million by today's dollars. 
years. They had $35 in the bank, and it was, um, they pretty much risked everything to be able to put that together. And I grew up right on the Cheyenne to Deadwood stage trail. We initially had sheep. My dad had, had come from a sheep ranch north of Douglas, and so he brought his sheep down with him when they moved down to Goshen County. And then when I was 10 years old, we, or I think a little less than 10 years old, we sold off all the sheep, and, and it's been a cattle operation since then. Um, he actually started buying cattle when I was pretty young. I've got a brother. My Hugh, my brother Hugh Hegeman's there, and I have a brother, Dewey, who's on a ranch up by JM, and I've got a brother, Jim, who's got a little place there by Fort Laramie. And yes, I grew up doing everything that most ranch kids do. Yeah. And that was that I uh, fixed fence and moved cows and uh, broke water, broke ice in the wintertime and, and fed with my dad and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, as, as we look at our subject today that we're going to be talking about, and it's the 30 by 30. And, and when it first came out last, uh, last year or earlier this year, maybe is when that sort of sort of came out. I know for myself, I'm not much of an alarmist, so I, I kind of have to take it in stride and kind of see where this is going to go. But we've had several months for this to kind of kind of sit there and, and in use of cow terms, ruminate a little bit. And so with that, with that, from your side of things, what do you view the 30 by 30 concept that the Biden administration has put out there? And what what do you think their purpose is of this? Well, very simply, the 30 by 30 is a, is a huge federal land grab. And the reason that I say that is because w- what it is, is let's go back to understanding exactly what it is, is on January 27th, Joe Biden issued an executive order that was is allegedly designed to, quote, combat climate change. And one small section of that executive order is what he refers to as the 30 by 30 plan. And what the 30 by 30 plan is, is that their intent is that by 2030, the federal government will conserve or protect 30% of all the land and water in the United States. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean in terms of real numbers? Well, real numbers, it means this. Right now, the federal government owns about 12% of the surface estate in this country. It owns uh, 48% of the state of Wyoming. And that is the total amount owned by the federal government is 641 million acres. So they want to more than double that Mm -hmm. and have the federal government, if not outright own, at least control and dictate use on over an additional 600 million acres. Now, that is, there's a lot of reasons why that's crazy, but they never ever explain why or how or the purpose of conserving 30 additional 30 percent of or additional 18 percent or up to 30 percent of the landmass in the united states how that would combat climate change Mm -hmm. they never identify what their legal authority is to do this in fact there is no legal authority and what it is is uh, uh they also have admitted that this is just a start that the real goal is 50 by 2050 So the federal government under Joe Biden and the radical Democrats are intent upon taking over and federalizing our private property rights 
under the auspices or the claim of combating climate change. This is a UN-driven, unlawful land grab that would be devastating to the economy in this country and dramatically alter the very nature of private property rights and who and what the United States is. Mm-hmm. I know when this first when this first came down and, and there was different different groups trying to disseminate how this was going to impact them and and there was some i guess maybe massaging this in saying well we already have crp we already have some other government type programs that are conserving land and it just kind of fits into those in into those deal into those kinds of programs it is that where we're at? i mean is it beyond that because uh, it sounds like what you're saying is it's beyond really some of the current government program conservation programs that are out there Absolutely it is. And in fact, you, you every once in a while, you will hear about, well, it is kind of like a CRP program. It isn't a CRP program. And in fact, the people who are pushing this, the people who are behind this, their, their intent is that there will be no use of these lands whatsoever. So it isn't for grazing. It isn't. It, it, it is truly a set aside. It is. It, it's a complete and total set aside of thirty percent of our land with the federal government controlling use on that property. And so what what you have is is a situation where you're going to have the radicals from Washington D.C. dictating land use on huge swaths of land in the United States. And keep in mind, the target of this is going to continue to be the Western United States states. They're not going in and taking over land in Connecticut or Vermont or Kentucky or New Jersey. This is going to continue to be an an attack and an effort to take land out of production in the western United States. When you talk about the land in the western United States, the, the thing that comes to my mind is that there is a lot of western land that is federally owned land, whether it's Forest Service or BLM. And so is that uh, is that where the target can, can start there? Or are we going to see it from, from that from that standpoint is where you're feeling or or is it going to be i guess we can talk about private land in a bit but you know so much of the western half is is has so much federal ground in it are we going to see is that where you're seeing this could be starting at it's not about federal land it's about private land they already control the forest service land they already control the blm they already own the federal land the target of this is private property Mm -hmm. the only target of this is private property so it isn't it isn't the 48 percent that they already own in the state of wyoming it's the target is the 52 percent and the same with colorado and montana and idaho and and uh, north dakota and 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 every other state what it is 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 the intent is to uh the the intent is to conserve the intent is to stop use on the private lands so the federal lands, we're not even talking about that. That's the 12% that I was talking about sure. at the beginning. Okay. The target of this is private ranches. The target of this is private farms. The target of this is land that, that, that is to be used for development eventually around communities and cities. 
Harriet Hegerman is my guest today, constitutional attorney, as we are talking about the 30 by 30 land grab that was signed as part of the executive order back in January 27th of this year by President Joe Biden. We've been talking a little bit more. We're going to talk more about that and what its effect is to those of us. And also later on in the program, we're going to be talking about another issue that kind of comes in with that, and that's conservation easements. As Harriet Hegeman again is my guest today, we'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show. It's a competitive calf market, and buyers want calves that will perform, period. And a proven solution is Simmental. In fact, data from the Tri-County Steer Carcass Fatirity from 2002 through 2018 on nearly 60,000 head of calves revealed that Simmental sired calves represented the highest carcass-valued sire group over English and other continental breed groups. And the sire group that was the second highest carcass value was Simangus sire. So... The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Our featured topic today is on the 30 by 30 program, a plan introduced by the Biden administration as they signed an executive order back in January of this last year after he took office as President of the United States. My guest today is Miss Harriet Hegeman, who is joining me as not only a constitutional attorney, and, and but also, uh, we talked about this at the very front of the program. I mentioned this. I'm going to give her a chance to talk more about about it towards the end of the program, but she is also a candidate for Congress for that lone house uh, in the U.S. House of Rep- representing Wyoming in the U.S. House of Representatives, and and I'll give Ms. Hegeman a chance to talk about that towards the end of our program here today, but. Uh, Harriet, as we move to the next subject of this, we, we were talking a little bit about this being really targeted more towards private land and not so much on the federal land because they already own that, as you say, in the 12% that they already own. My question is this, though, in what they're already controlling with the federal land, BLM, Forest Service, and so forth, is there has there been any movement on that to try to restrict grazing or, or things that would move and fit into this program? Yes, one of the areas, and again, it's not what the what the ranching industry is used, it's what they own. Mm-hmm. And so an example is one, um, our governor in Wyoming, Mark Gordon, said that he thought that this was a good start. And I disagree with him. I think that this is an incredibly dangerous program, and we need to be fighting back against it, just like the governor of Nebraska has been doing. Governor of Nebraska, Governor Ricketts, recognizes the threat that this poses to not only his state, but to our country as a whole. And he issued an executive order substantially limiting and restricting what the federal government can do in the state of Nebraska. Now, why that is important is, as he points out, if the federal government were able to move forward with this, the 30% that they're talking about is the equivalent of the size of nine states of Nebraska. So I want you to envision that kind of an overlay over the entire United over the United States. What kind of, of, of land mass we're talking about that the federal government is going to come in and control and dictate land use on? So it is a ma- it's why I refer to it. It's why the stewards of liberty. It's why we refer to this as a as a massive land grab because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I was just recently in Cokeville. And there was a gentleman there who was a rancher over on the western side of the state. And a portion of his ranch has been designated as a wildlife corridor. 
pursuant to this 30 by 30 land grab. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, he's not able to put in a water, a water pipeline to water his cows. So there are real life implications associated with this. And it already, even as even though it is it's less than a year old, it's already having impacts on our ranchers here in Wyoming because it is the government, the state and federal government in this circumstance that went in and partnered up to impact and restrict the use that this rancher can put to his own land. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it through what they say is a wildlife corridor. But that has impacts. When you put something like that in place, then what you've done is you have restricted how anybody can can use that particular, uh, that, that, part, that property. They, put, they impose restrictions on it, and that's what they've done in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. When, when we talk about conservation and protecting these lands, there's some other conversations or topics that come up, and, and I know there's different folks within the ag industry and, and I know you you probably have an idea or an opinion on one or the other on, on conservation easements and I've had in fact I've had uh, folks on here uh, talking about conservation easements and and there's some delicate topics around that within the agricultural community itself but do we see conservation easements and, and the and the concern is perpetuity on those kinds of talks uh, having some element of inter, being integrated in this 30 by 30 that's, I think, one of the, the primary ways in which they're going to implement this 30 by 30. And keep in mind the purpose of a conservation easement. If you're the landowner, and I realize that there are people who have placed conservation easements on their property and they see it as a private property right, and I understand mm-hmm. that argument. I really do. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem with it, is that what you've done when you put a conservation easement on your property is you've sold the development rights. You've sold the, you've, you essentially sold the management rights. And what I mean by that is interpretation perpetuity, you've gone into partnership with somebody, whether it's the Nature Conservancy or it's the USDA or whatever, the Ducks Unlimited, you have gone into partnership with someone and that someone is the person who gets to dictate how you use their land, how you use your land. And I know people will say, oh no, it's to protect farming and ranching. It says it right in the document. But I'll tell you what those documents also say. And every single one of them I looked at it say this. And that is that that the purpose of the conservation easement is to protect the conservation values of the property and that farming and ranching or whatever the particular use is, farming and ranching is consistent with the conservation values of this property at this time. But guess who gets to dictate when it is no longer consistent with the conservation values of the property? The, perf- the, the entity, the, again, the federal government, the Nature Conservancy, whomever owns that conservation easement, they have the unilateral right to determine 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, whatever it may be, that that conservation, that the that farming and ranching is no longer consistent with the conservation values of the property. And I'll give you a real life example of that. There is a conservation easement on some land outside of Fort Collins and it's specifically to protect farming and ranching. The city leased that property to a sheep farmer, sheep rancher, and he ran his sheep out there. Well, uh, several years ago, they discovered some bighorn sheep quite a, a distance, quite a ways away from this property. Mm-hmm. But the environmental groups claim that domestic sheep will transmit a particular disease to the bighorn sheep. And they went to the city 
and they said, you have to remove the domestic sheep. And they said, oh, no, we've got a contract with this guy. He grazes his, his, his sheep out there. We have a contract with him. And, yes, there's a conservation easement, but it's a conservation easement that protects grazing. And they said, no, not, uh, not if it impacts wildlife. And they forced that rancher off that property that he had a lease on. He had to sell out, and he went broke. Mm-hmm. And so there again, I'm going to use the language. There are real life consequences. And the other problem with conservation easements is they are into perpetuity. So the way that I describe that is how would we feel today if people from 1692 dictate our land use policy today? But that's exactly what we're doing with conservation easements is we're dictating for people in 2,543 how they can manage their property. And I, I just don't think that's right. I think that that's one of the absolute fundamental flaws with conservation easements is we're dictating land use policy 350 years down the road. We don't have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be absolutely catastrophic for the interior West. And, and you know, I use 350 years just to try to show how extreme this situation is. But it's 40 years down the road. It's 30 years down the road. We're dictating land use policy. And here's one of the other problems with that and what we're going to see in, again, the interior West and in Wyoming, which is what I'm mostly concerned about, is that um, it, it is going to uh, restrict our ability to grow food and fiber. It, it is going to make housing costs more expensive. That's what this entire 30 by 30 plan is going to do is it's going to absolutely impoverish our country. And the reason I say that is because we are food independent in this country. Mm-hmm. The, this type of a program, this type of a plan where you're no longer able to grow food and fiber on 30 uh, percent or build housing on 30 percent of your surface estate is going to be absolutely catastrophic. And to give another example of that, I was recently reading an article where uh, uh, and, and the headline was that the second largest country in the world is running out of land. And I thought that that was such a strange headline that just didn't make any sense to me. So I started reading the article and it's about Canada and what they have in Canada and the problems that they're having with people can't afford housing. There isn't enough housing. There isn't enough land to, to build housing on. I know you're thinking exactly the same thing I am, which is Canada has a lot of land. Canada has a lot of open space, but it is actually changing the socioeconomic condition of their, of, of their, of their country because young people, one of the ways that we have advanced through middle class is we grow up, we get married, we have children, we buy a home, and you start doing that in the 20s and 30s well there are no homes for these people to buy they're delaying marriage they're delaying having children it's fundamentally transforming the culture of that country and i found it such a strange thing strange thing uh, that that i was reading about that so i i looked it up 89 percent of the surface estate in canada is owned by the government Mm. they're not running out of land they just have really bad land use policies Harriet Hegeman is my guest today. If you're just joining us, she is a constitutional attorney that uh, we have been talking with about the 30 by 30 program that uh, has been put into place by the Biden administration. And uh, we're not done here. We have more to talk about as she's already shared with us her concerns about not only how is it going to affect our ranching industry, but the agricultural industry and our country in general. How far has it progressed up to date? Well, we're going to talk more about that and more when we continue on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Animal health is key to your business. So how do you track cattle health treatments? Well, stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. 
Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history all in real time at the shoot. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills. We're glad to have you on our program this week. And uh, we're covering a topic that uh, really did create quite a bit of stir when it surfaced back in January of this last year under an executive order signed by President Joe Biden, which was the 30 by 30 program. And my guest today is constitutional attorney Harriet Hegeman, also a Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in the state of Wyoming. And and I want to back up a little bit. If you joined us earlier, Earlier in the program, you might have already heard this, but if you're just joining us now, uh, Miss Hageman grew up on a ranch in Wyoming, and and uh, as a ranch girl, uh, I felt uh, it was important that when when we talk about this particular issue that could have some major impacts on our ranching industry, that it be coming from somebody that has had a background in ranching, knows the ranching, understands it, and has been a proponent of this industry through uh, for many years in her professional life, such as Harriet Hageman has been. And so, Harriet, as we continue our conversation now on this 30 by 30, as as we've been talking about it, how far along are we in this? I know it was signed in executive order on the 27th of January of this last year, but do we know how far has this progressed to date? I don't know that anybody knows. Mm -hmm. That's one of the other things is what he did in his executive order was he instructed the, the head of the Department of Interior to issue a report of how they were going to implement the 30 by 30. And now they've changed the name to the America the Beautiful Plan. Okay. Um, too many people realized and, and thought about the statistics of 30 by 30 and, and, and it freaked them out. So they've taken that language away and now they use America the Beautiful. But it's the same, it's, it's pursuant to that executive order that does use the 30 by 30 language. Keep in mind, this came from the UN. You have to understand this entire concept and idea came from the United Nations. This is just one more boondoggle that they've been pushing through with a variety of of programs and ideas over the last 20 years. But when they issued the report, it was about a month late, but when they issued the report, they gave absolutely no detail. You cannot find a definition of conservation. You cannot define how they're going to determine that a particular acre or an acreage qualifies as being part of the 30 by 30. And all of that is intentional. All of it is intentional to keep us in the dark so that we don't have the data and the information to know what it is that they're doing. So what did I, I found out about the the wildlife corridor because I was reading a newspaper one day and started reading about this wildlife corridor in the western part of the state and i had have had people over the years talk to me about that wildlife corridor because it has created problems for a variety of 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 uses over there and being able to move cows and things like that and so i read it and at the very end it talks about the fact that this has been set aside pursuant to a grant with uh as part of the 30 by 30 plan Mm -hmm. 
and it's the Wyoming Game and Fish Department that is part of it. So it is, it's a completely stealth program, but we don't have enough detail or information to know how they're even doing it. Mm-hmm. But again, I believe that what they're going to do, and, and the USDA already funds massive amounts of, uh, of, what would I say, conservation easements. The USDA, in some of the conservation easements I've seen, the enforcing mechanism, the enforcing body is the United States Department of Agriculture. So even though you may go into and you may you may sell your, your a conservation easement to the um, to the what do I want to say the the Nature Conservancy for example, um, it's the USDA that has enforcement authority. Mm-hmm. And why is that important? Because the USDA has uh, unlimited resources. So we don't have enough information to know what they're doing. We do know that they're going to fund this through the Conservation Wildlife Program. And so they've got massive amounts of money out there. And they they are not, one of the other things that they did very, very early in this administration was the last administration had issued an executive order that local communities were an integral part of any kind of discussion about uh, purchasing federal land or putting more land off use uh, off limits for use and if a local community did not want the federal government coming in and and purchasing land or or whatever the mechanism might be that they would act they had veto power mm-hmm. they literally had had veto power. So Goshen County, for example, would have the ability to stop the federal government from coming in and buying a farm or a ranch or something along those lines. Well, one of the very first things that this administration did when it came in in January was they got rid of that rule. So right now, local communities have absolutely no say whatsoever in any of these uh, 30 by 30 purchases or transactions, Mm -hmm. which I think is very, very telling the fact that they want to keep the local community out of it in the dark and not allow them to weigh in on the impact that these things would have to their community. Yeah. Harriet, I know uh, listeners of Working Ranch Radio Show span all over North America here, and and so much of this issue, first and foremost, is going to, like as you said earlier, is going to revolve around some of the land in the West because it's so vast and, and, and there's federally owned land integrated with that. For folks on both sides of the Mississippi River, and, and as you're talking to those, I know for, for those of us that are on the West side of the Mississippi, we really understand what's going on. For folks on the East side of the Mississippi, how does this affect them? Well, it, it could potentially affect them in very dramatic ways. And I'll again use Nebraska as an example. I realize Nebraska is west of the Mississippi, but it has some of the fewest federal lands of any state in the nation. And what is the primary mechanism by which they fund their government in Nebraska? It's through property taxes. And so in Wyoming, we have severance taxes. We have oil and gas. We have coal. We have Trona. We have a a variety of natural resources that we use, and that's how we fund our government. Other states don't do that. They fund their schools. They fund their general fund. they They fund their government through property taxes. One of the things that happens when you put a conservation easement on your property is it immediately knocks out about 50% of the value of that land. That's why you get the tax break. So if I've got a thousand acre parcel of property 
and I put a conservation easement on it, let's say I get a half a million dollar tax break because I've just reduced the value of that property by about 50% because I've sold the development rights. And so what it's going to do is it's going to substantially impact our developable land. It's going to impact housing prices. We already have a problem with homelessness in many cities throughout the United States. And in part, that is because there isn't the affordable housing there. And there isn't the affordable housing because they've placed all kinds of restrictions, whether it's through zoning, uh, which is another mechanism by which they will probably implement the 30 by 30. Uh, they have open space or the, 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 the building costs are just astronomical. So it's going to limit our ability to build single family homes. It's going to limit our ability to use our property. It's going to limit our ability to to develop. And again, I'll, I'll give a real life example. Uh, during the Carter administration, I remember very well interest rates were 14, 15%. Inflation was 14 to 15%. People were losing farms and ranches left and right. People were losing their businesses left and right. But for ranchers, the ones that survived were the ones that had equity in their ranches. They were the ones that had the ability to go in and continue to get operating loans, to be able to stay in business, to survive what were really horrific policies coming out of Washington, D.C. But one of the things that, as I just said, with these conservation easements, you've knocked out 50% of the value of your property right out of the box when you put a conservation easement on it. And as a result, it's going to impact your ability to weather those kinds of storms. You're not going to have the equity in that property that you did before. Your property is not going to be worth as much. The other thing is, is if you have a ranch and you do have difficult times, maybe you could sell three 40-acre parcels to some somebody to, to, to generate some revenue to be able to continue ranching. With these conservation easements and this 30 by 30, these 30 by 30 restrictions, you won't be able to do that. You'll have absolutely no way to generate revenue out of that property that you own in order to save it. And so those are the our implications, whether you're in Nebraska or Kansas or Arkansas or Louisiana or Georgia, it doesn't matter where you are. These restrictions that will be imposed by this 30 by 30 will limit your ability to ultimately prosper. It will limit your ability for you to be able to leave that property to your kids and for them to prosper. This is a land grab. And I'm going to give you another thing, some more information. The federal government has absolutely no business owning any more property in this country. 641 million acres is enough. They don't do a good job of managing it right now. Some areas that they do, but a lot of areas they don't. These catastrophic forest fires that we've been experiencing in the West, uh, the, the, um, they have a terrible backlog. The, the National Forest Service right now has a backlog of over $11 billion in maintenance right now. The National Park Service has an over $11 billion backlog for maintenance right now. When you've got a federal government that's pushing $25 billion with just two agencies in failing to manage what they already have, why would we give them even more? Why would we allow the federal government to take control and authority over even more property when they're incapable of managing what they already have. Mm-hmm. And again, that's going to apply in Mississippi. It's going to apply in Ohio. Any one of these states, it applies across the country. And what we see is we see really bad manage, uh, land management policies coming out of Washington, D.C. At the same time, we see a government going forward with a land grab that's going to be devastating to the communities that uh, where, where they actually succeed in, in federalizing more of our land. Mm-hmm. 
Attorney Harriet Hegeman is my guest today. We've been talking about the 30 by 30 program that uh, has come down through the federal government signed by through an executive order by President Joe Biden back in January of this year, 2021. When we come back, what do we do as ranchers, as landowners across this country? We're going to talk with our guest today, Harriet Hegeman, about that when we come back. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. Coming to the Las Vegas Convention Center, December 8th, 9th, and 10th, it's the Working Ranch Expo, brought to you by Working Ranch Magazine. It's thousands of feet of space filled with the ranch industry's leading equipment manufacturers and suppliers, plus great speakers that will inspire and educate you. And we're in the hall just across from Cowboy Christmas. Register to attend at WorkingRanchExpo.com. It's Working Ranch Expo by day, NFR by night. We'll see you at the Expo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Our feature topic today is on the 30 by 30 program, if you're just joining us. And our guest for our episode today is attorney Harriet Hegeman, and also uh, currently a Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in the state of Wyoming. And before we wrap up our conversation with Ms. Hegeman today, my guest, one comment that I would like to make regarding this particular issue, because I think, honestly, I felt people in the ag industry and in the ranching industry have have come to this issue a little bit on two different sides. One is being extremely alarmed and extremely concerned. And I think our guest today outlining really some of the concerns that she has with this program. Others, maybe not so much wanting it to lay a little bit and kind of see what, what, uh, what shakes out in this. And I guess with all of that, my mind with this is we've had several months for this to kind of sit there and try to understand this. And at some point, no matter which direction or which opinion we want to take on it, we do need to be aware of it and aware of some of the issues that it could incorporate, which was why I felt it was important that we do cover this subject on our program and why I felt it was important to get uh, somebody like Ms. Hegeman as my guest, a ranch girl from Wyoming, an attorney that's been working with land owner issues and land right issues for many, many years and has a lot of experience in this. And so, Ms. Hegeman, as we as we wrap up our conversation here today, what do we need to do as ranchers regarding this particular issue of the 30 by 30 program? Well, educating yourselves and the fact that we're getting this information out is very important because I think that the education and knowledge is what we can use so that when these communities or when the federal government is coming into these communities and trying to restrict access and use to these lands, people are prepared to push back. Contact your, your representatives, your, your county commissioners. All of our counties in Wyoming and elsewhere, they ought to be issuing resolutions against the 30 by 30 plan and saying not in our counties. Our governors, contact our governors. Uh, Pete Ricketts, go to his website in Nebraska. He's got an executive order there that limits what can be done in terms of this 30 by 30. He's done a phenomenal job of traveling the state of Nebraska and educating his citizens and the communities about what this portends. And he's really been able to push back very effectively against the federal government trying to come in and federalize lands in the state of Nebraska. We need to be following his lead. So those are some of the things that you can look to 
to the stewards of liberty if you go to their website they have a lot of information about the 30 by 30 plan i've done some writing on it as well uh, you can go to my website which is hegemon for wyoming and there's some information there on some of the writings that i've done about it but it is again a matter of educating ourselves and making clear to our governors and our political leaders that we're not going to tolerate them trying to further federalize uh, what is our you know our private property one of the things that has always set the United States apart from other countries and it really is the foundation for our prosperity and that is private property rights uh, our private property rights and our ability to own property is why we have affordable food affordable housing affordable energy all of those things and the 30 by 30 plan is intended to disrupt that we do not need to give the federal government any more power over us at all and this is just nothing more but a power grab by the feds and uh, again you know they do a terrible job of managing what they have they don't need to ruin more Mm-hmm. Well, before we go, Ms. Hegeman, I have mentioned it a few times as we've come into segments and introducing you that you are a candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives for the state of Wyoming. And so want to give you just a little bit of opportunity to talk about that. Yes, I am. I'm running for Congress. I'm running for Congress for the state of Wyoming. And for anyone who wants to learn more about me and about our campaign, you can go to hegemonforwyoming.com. Uh, any support, I, I welcome all of the support that I can get out there. This is obviously going to be a battle, but I'm fighting for Wyoming. Uh, I am a, a lifelong Wyomingite. Uh, well, I lived in Michigan for a short period of time, but uh, for most of my years, I've been in Wyoming. And for the last 25 years, I've been fighting hard to protect our ranchers and farmers and oil and gas producers, gravel producers. I've been fighting hard on private property rights for a long, long time. And I want to take that same kind of battle to Congress and start trying to get some of that power out of Washington, D.C. and return it to the states. And that's the other reason why this 30 by 30 plan is is wrong. It's just absolutely going the wrong direction. We don't need to be federalizing more of our lives, more of our property, more of our future. That's absolutely the wrong direction to go. We need to be returning power to the states and we need to get the federal government out of our lives. And again, Again, the 30 by 30 plan will just be, it, it, it is going to be a disaster for this country if they come even close to succeeding. Well, Herod, I sure appreciate you taking the time. I know you're on the road and you're busy. And uh, so I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you for having me, Justin. I really appreciate it. Constitutional Attorney Harriet Hegeman has been my guest today on our program as we were talking about the 30 by 30 program. Well, stay with us. Coming up next, meteorologist Don Day joins us with a look at our long-term weather as that cold weather from the northern latitude looks to be making its way south. We're going to talk about it when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Just in time for the holiday season, Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather weather journal is a great stocking stuffer idea. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Joining us now is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And Don, you've been telling us all along that at some point we were going to start to see that cold weather that's up over the northern top of the country or the, the continent. And now it was in Canada. Now at some point it's going to break and head our way. And it sounds like you got a little bit more definition of when that's going to happen. 
Yeah, our confidence is is pretty high that a fundamental change in, in North America's weather is going to happen. This will be especially true for the lower 48 states, but for our friends up in South Central and Western Canada as well. It has been a, a very mild November and early December for most of the lower 48 states. Uh, and boy, we saw here in the past several days, the first few days of December, really coast to coast, a very mild weather pattern. But while it's been mild, it's been a lot colder up in those higher latitudes. Alaska going through one of its coldest Novembers in recent memory. And some of that cold air is now beginning to cross the U.S.-Canadian border. And a pattern's going to set up where it is going to be a lot more like winter now. So for those folks who are thinking maybe we weren't going to have a winter, well, we're going to get a rude reminder that indeed winter is a... Uh, is going to show herself several times this season. Mm-hmm. So as that cold weather starts to come into the country, and you said it's going to be pretty much across the West and even in the Midwest, it, are we going to see much snow with that? Or is it just cold temperatures now? Or what's the snow forecast with all of that? There certainly is going to be some snow. While we don't foresee any really one event being a really big snowstorm, so to speak, we see a, a pattern over the next two to three weeks. And I think we should basically just say from this coming week, probably up till New Year's, uh, there will be frequent cold fronts and, and there's going to be some snow associated with them. I think uh, the, the higher mountain ranges of the northern and central Rockies and the Pacific Northwest are going to be the areas that receive the most snow out of this, which will be good for the snowpack, which is suffering right now. Uh, but certainly livestock interest, especially in the northern plains and the northern Rockies, there's going to be some episodes of snow where it's certainly going to accumulate and folks are going to need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, for this this change i think the cold is going to be more noticeable than the snow will uh but any snow that falls this time of year with these short days and long nights well a lot of times we keep it uh well into the spring season in some of those shaded areas and along the snow fences how far into the south and southeast part of the country are we going to see this this significant colder weather It's going to first be in the West. And as the month of December goes and matures to the middle to the end of the month, we're going to see the concentration of the cold more towards the Midwest and the central areas of the United States. Uh, All of the lower 48 will experience some waves of cold in December. But I think when we get into the mid part of the month, it'll be centered over the Northern Plains. All right. Well, Don, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. And again, that's meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, and we finally come to it. And it's something that we have been talking about, and that is the first ever Working Ranch Expo. And all the folks from Working Ranch Magazine have been working extremely hard to bring this event together. And I will be there along with the captain and everyone from Working Ranch Magazine will be there. We've been talking about it. We have a great lineup of speakers, a great bunch of vendors as well. And we just invite you to stop by. If you're going to be in Las Vegas, December 8th, 9th, and 10th, that's Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, be sure to come on down to the Las Vegas Convention Center. If you can get to Cowboy Christmas, well, you can find the Working Ranch Expo. Make sure you stop in, say hello, take a look at all the vendors that we have there, and we hope you enjoy it and hope to see you in Las Vegas this week. Well, if you'd like to get a 
hold of me, you can send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Join us each Saturday and Sunday right here at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM, or on your podcast provider. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. So long.